0: The Ireland-Portugal Business Network is comprised of more than 150 member companies based in Portugal and Ireland. These companies are from a wide range of industries and professions and represent in excess of 25,000 people. So good morning, everybody. I'm absolutely thrilled. Um, I'm a huge fan and a very passionate member of the Ireland-Portugal Business Network. I love the work that um, Arnold and Geoffrey do. I think it's really important in how they support our businesses. So this morning, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about Where culture and leadership interact. And it's actually something I come across a lot in what I do. Um, I work primarily with um, helping leaders, helping to fast track them into new roles or more senior roles. So I think, you know, people, when we talk about culture, um, it's very much worth a deep dive into understanding what culture means in my organization. Um, And I think you'll notice here that I've divided it into three sections and the first one is manifestations, which is probably the more obvious things, you know, um, the artifacts is obviously the buildings, you know, the logos, the brand, all of those things that we associate with an organization. And that's become very different nowadays as we move to a lot of organizations don't have any artifacts because they're actually completely um, remote model. Um, But it also gives a sense of who we are by looking at, you know, even how people dress at work, um, how people greet each other, uh, whether it's formal or informal. Um, And one of the key things is the values. And a lot of companies spend a lot of time focusing on values and values are what matters to me. Um, And it's really important that the values are not just what the company believes but also that they the values of the leaders the values of the employees are also aligned and so focusing on values um that don't support what it is that you're trying to achieve can be detrimental to your organization and i know that for startups very often it's you know It's innovation, it's entrepreneurship, it's, you know, adaptability, adaptability, it's disruption, all of those things. But values are also things like how we treat each other, you know, in terms of respect, when we're interacting with each other, how we deal with negative feedback, how we disagree, things like that. Um, And very often organizations have these amazing values on their website or on their company wall, but are they actually being lived? When was the last time that you actually lived the values that you're saying that you have in your organization? Um, The next one is around assumptions and beliefs. And these are the ones that where we, you know, assumptions is where we just think that everybody's on the same page, that beliefs are things, they are something that we hold to be true, whether there is evidence or not. And a classic example is religion. but also in terms of the organization. What are the beliefs? What are the assumptions that we make? So for example, we have the assumption that we are, are, uh, you know, we are diverse, that we're DEI, diversity, equality, and inclusion. Um, but when was the last time that you challenged those? Are you actually living those beliefs? Very important questions. Do the behavior support what you're saying that you do, that what matters to you? The next part is, you know, when you break down culture, it's about the people, but it's also about the stories that you use to talk about your successes, to talk about your failures. So what are the stories saying? What is the message from the stories? So, you know, very often we hear about, you know, the success stories of companies that started in the garage, classic one is Apple, you know, and, but those stories generally have a moral behind them. They have values, they have, beliefs behind them that are really important to your organization. But the thing about stories is that very often the stories that we have when we start off our organizations at the startup stage, they will change over time. But if we're still using the stories from when we were a startup and now we're a scale up over even bigger, do those stories still support what it is your mission your values your strategic plan do they still um add depth to what you're trying to communicate with your people so communication is another uh, area that culture impacts you know how do we interact with the, between employees between the management between the senior management and it's one of the pieces that changes a lot as the organization grows so And it's one of the pieces that people struggle with, actually, as startups become scale-ups. They love the fact that they have, they're sitting around literally the kitchen table or in a hub somewhere and everybody's involved, everybody's talking to each other, everybody feels like they are an equal. But it's actually quite a challenge, not just for the management team, but also for the employees themselves. When they start having to distance themselves from the employees because it is just not possible to maintain the level of communication and the type of communication that you had when you were smaller and for people that can be a big issue and it can start to feel like the culture is changing that it's becoming I don't feel like I belong here anymore that I matter anymore because the boss is no longer sharing his visions and aspirations directly with me his message is now being communicated through somebody else And that has a big impact on both the engagement with the staff, but also on the culture. So the culture that you created and we're very mindful of nurturing um, has to change and evolve as the organisation changes and evolves. It has to be fit for purpose. So the other area that we see uh, when we talk about culture, it's about the ownership of the organisation. You know, so very often maybe it's, you know, it's owned by the, the founders and then all of a sudden you have the investors stepping in and they are critical, but they change the dynamic within the organization. They change the culture because now you're just not responsible to your fellow founders and to your family and friends who helped you get to where you are. But also now you have an additional um, element in here, and that changes because now you have the accountability is different, the responsibility is different. And that again is different for people in the organization. The structure as you grow from you know from startup to scale up to big global success, which is all our ambition, um, the structure of the organization. so the culture has to change and evolve with that um the personal power you know how much before because we were a small operation I had a lot more autonomy and now as you go grow or even as you merge everything changes so I'm working with two organizations at the moment and both are going through merges, and it's a dramatic impact on the culture for them because before decision making was instant but now they have to wait they have to see is this in line with the parent company is this something that they actually have in place someplace else and we have to wait for the opportunity to be rolled out to us and that can feel really frustrating so that power that power dynamic is really important and it does impact on the culture and obviously then the politics so politics can be very positive and it also can be very negative um, you know, there's three things behind conflict, and they are power, politics, and um, personality. So as organisations are growing and they need to go to the next level and perhaps bring in new, new um, people who have a different approach and sometimes a very direct approach. And sometimes they don't take the time to, to, to get to know people and to understand. And again, All of these things are impacting on the culture of the organization. So so what are the implications of the culture in our business? You know, so things like how we prioritize our customers. It impacts things like the relationship between the management and the staff. And you see that dramatically when you go from startup to scale up and then you end up being bought over or merged with another company, it dramatically changes the culture of the organization. Um, you know, how how target-orientated we are. So what I often see sometimes in you know, smaller companies is that they have KPIs for maybe sales and finance, but not actually for the service area. So there can be that disconnect um, and that lack of consistency And then when, as you start to grow, that has to change because it's just not viable anymore. You know, as you're smaller, it was easy to keep track on things and and you know what's going on because you just had coffee with the the service delivery manager or whoever. But as organizations scale and grow, that doesn't work anymore. And also towards innovation. So, you know, it's as you as you grow your organization is it the best idea or the individual who gets the say as to what new innovations we're going to approach so this all falls under the umbrella of culture attitudes towards cost and cost reduction do people feel like they contribute to it is it part of their role or not so is that part is that embedded into the culture of the organization commitment and loyalty to staff is a huge thing because remember people People need to know that they belong, that they matter, and that they have psychological safety. And sometimes what happens as a company is growing or new people come in, and if they don't understand how we do things around here, that can cause situations where you have finger pointing. So in an organisation where it's all for one and one for all, and all of a sudden that changes And that impacts on the loyalty, which is a huge issue as you scale and grow. Um, And the final piece is, and I can't actually read it. uh, Oh, yeah, the impact on um, reaction to huge factor is technology and disruption. Again, this is all about the culture. So it really does impact a lot more of your business than you actually realise. It is not just a nice word that we have on on our vision board or on our reception area. What I tend to notice when I'm coaching people is that sometimes I get asked, oh, you know, they need to be better at managing conflict or be better at um, being more, you know, directional when it comes to setting goals and whatever. But when you look at and you ask them, well, what is the culture? What what matters in your organisation? say, oh, well, teamwork's really important. But when you think about it, for every... Um, for every virtue that you have there's a flip side so what I notice is that if the focus is purely on teamwork then people don't realize that that actually stops people taking risks it stops them being more assertive because if you want to include everybody and if you want to make sure everybody's on board that slows things down and the flip side of being customer focused is that you're not reactive and poor at and it can lead to being poor at innovation the flip side of action orientation is that people are so focused on making things happen that they forget about the impact on the people and bringing them with them as opposed to telling them what to do and i think for me i saw a lot of this particularly during you know the great resignation as they call it and during the covid times you saw this where the focus was on certain um, aspects of the culture and people didn't look at the flip side of it. So if I'm focusing on this, what is the opposite in impact? Um, innovation, you know, innovation is fantastic. But in order to make innovation a reality, it ha- there has to be consistency. There has, you have to be able to actually deliver. You have to be able to test things and, and scale. And that's perhaps something that innovative cultures don't have. Um, is or sorry, it's it's perhaps you know. So I'm not saying they don't have them. They do. They can have them. They do have them. But sometimes the ability to deliver it and scale it can be lacking. Um, global vision. Sometimes we're so focused on the next best, you know, the next new market, which is very um, challenging. setting it up making it happen reaching out to um, understanding what happened what happens in the marketplace that we actually miss local opportunities and being a good people manager as I mentioned earlier on sometimes the focus is on being so good and so nice that actually I sometimes find that they're not actually good at having hard conversations where performance is an issue So people sometimes because maybe the focus is on teamwork and the focus is on being, you know, we're here for our people and we will support them. Sometimes they don't actually have the skills when it comes to having those challenging conversations and they get left until it's actually too late. So there is no perfect organization. You can see here that, you know, if you're a market driven business, then you're going to be focusing on entrepreneurial risk, risk orientated and getting things done. But the flip side of that is there can be a lack of consistency of discipline. Perhaps you're an organisation, and these are just examples, um, you're efficient, operation-driven business. So it's about teamwork, um, it's about sophisticated systems and procedures. But the flip side of that is not you're so focused on the day-to-day that you don't actually step into the future and say, well, you know, and and they're not good at looking at the big picture. How does my role impact other parts of the business? It can create a silo effect in your organisation. Um, Growth-orientated business, very competitive resource-orientated. But what's the flip side of that? Is that organisations just purely focus on the short term. And that can impact work-life balance. And that can impact being able to support your people and your retention so there's an expression you know be careful what you wish for so when you're crafting you know your vision your strategy and thinking about this what kind of culture will help us to deliver that don't just focus on the you know the one part of the equation you need to look at both aspects And if you're struggling during a time of change, this is when you need to reevaluate your culture and see, is it fit for purpose? What are you shining a light on? And what are you missing in the shadows? And these are hard questions to ask. And sometimes you need an objective perspective, for example, like your customers, your suppliers, you know, maybe your investors. So, you know, be it's hard to be objective about our own business. But don't, if by not, by focusing purely on what you're shining a light on, you're missing things that could actually impact on your ability to scale well, or to grow your business, or to retain those critical stuff that you need. So culture, this is from Strategizer, I'm a huge fan of their work, F. Uh, culture tells us how we do things around here. But if you want to understand it, you have to make it explicit. So it's all very well to say, "Oh, we respect and we have diversity," but that actually needs to drill down into what does that mean for every single individual, and how will they know that they're actually li- living um, those values and you know that and behaviours and all of the parts of it—the leadership style, the leadership approach—all of those things need to be unpacked. So. Great cultures don't happen to be in in innovation or quality driven. You have to actually break it down into, and I I really like this, to its outcomes, behaviours, actions, and enablers and blockers. And it's a great um, exercise to do with your team members, be it with your your senior leaders, but also the people in your organisation. So what is the outcome that you want? So if you want to have an outcome of innovation, but well, what, what are the enablers and the, and the blockers? So, you know, blockers would be that ideas, you know, get passed up to a certain person, but if they don't like it, then it doesn't get passed on. But maybe it's because they don't like that particular individual, or maybe they don't believe that it has potential, but they're looking at it through a particular lens. So how can you make sure that you're missing nothing? So what do you need to, how do you need to, and create a process that is actually as objective as possible, and as open as possible. So this is a strategizer tool that they have. You know, so what are the desired outcomes? What behaviours and actions will allow us to achieve our desired out, um, outcomes? And what enablers and blockers um, will help us uh, with our goals? Um, so I think it's important to have simple tools to help us to do this. But bear in mind that it's a lot more complicated, as you saw at the beginning, when you, when you break culture down. So I think actually combining the two to give you a more robust approach and a more holistic approach is really, really important. Companies, as they grow, reach a critical inflection point. Um, and what, we, what often happens is we try to do things as we've always done them, um, but it doesn't work anymore. And this is where organizations recognize, you know, oh, maybe we we have to change our our strategy or we have to, you know, when we diversify into new markets and they focus on the business side of things, which is hugely important. But there are a couple of other things that we need to look at. And that is our people. So what worked when we were smaller and perhaps maybe just focused on our home, home markets we need to now up this scale. and This is where I get asked to work with people is where we're making that transition from body to boss, where the organization is growing and is no longer, um, we can no longer have the CEO sitting at the table talking to everybody. Um, but it's really important to empower the leaders. And very often what happens is that you want to promote your subject matter experts. You want to give them career paths in your organization but they're so focused on being subject matter experts. very often they don't have those leadership skills and competencies so we're setting people up to fail and if the focus is on teamwork for example and I don't have the skills to be able to manage performance then I won't I'm going to shy away from them because I want to be popular I want people to like me you know and that's what we do around here but this has a huge impact on your ability to actually scale effectively and grow your business effectively. Um, and people can do it as long as they have, you know, I, I, I like to share with my clients lots of different types of tools, like I refer to them like the training wheels, you know, giving them literally how to do a one-to-one, how to do, you know, how to deal with, uh, tools to deal with conflict, tools to deal with, you know, performance, and the interesting thing around is, um, is that if you're not having one-to-ones with your people on a regular basis, then you risk them not to, not performing because you don't know what's going on in their life. You don't know why they're not performing. Maybe they have personal issues or maybe they don't actually have the skills and competencies and they're afraid to hold up their hand and say, I don't know how to do this properly. And then when they do raise their hand, it's too late because it's had a direct impact on the quality of products or services that you deal to your customers. Um, So it's really important that people have those skills. I know I'm really passionate about this piece because I was that young leader who was really technically good at what they did, but I was terrified of doing performance management. I was terrified of having to talk to people about their goals and objectives, particularly people who, I, who were more experienced than me and had more knowledge than me. But I didn't believe in what the other, I didn't realize the other aspects that I brought to the table, which was how I could support them um, and collaborate, helping them to collaborate with other teams and making things happen so that they can do their jobs. So the other thing that has to change is the money piece. You know, so you're, you're growing and scaling. Um, and that, as I said earlier on, that changes, like the ownership changes the culture in the organization. And people can struggle with that because now you all of a sudden the investors want OKRs and KPIs and they want a lot more of a structured approach. Um, and that requires, again, a culture change. And who's going to make that happen is your leaders. And if they don't have the skills to be able to manage that change, to be able to, um, to share the vision of the organization and set clear expectations and set clear goals, then it's very hard to deliver on what you promised your investors. So uh, the reason I chose this picture is because you know we, we're trying to make Something, we're trying to shove everything into the suitcase, you know, into the business model that we created at the beginning, but it is no longer fit for purpose. Things have to change. Our key resources, our key um, partners, um, what are our, you know, our talent, our customers, all of these things are starting to change. Maybe we've acquired other businesses, we've consolidated or we've outsourced. And how does that impact on the day-to-day, but also how does that impact on the culture that's going to help deliver these changes? So the hardest part is the people piece. And if you don't get that right, then you're setting yourself up for failure. Um, And this is where it's so important that as a leadership team, that... You know, the focus is on your people because they are the ones who are going to make all of this happen as you grow and develop your organization. But also as the, the culture needs to change from all hands on deck. And, you know, we're we, we've got this and we're all sitting around the kitchen table to a more um, substantial organization where there's a lot more lines of, of uh, reporting lines and the distance between the CEO and the founders is now much greater. And people will leave. You often see people leaving organisations because it's just not the same anymore. And it's not, but it can be equally as exciting and equally full of opportunities and full of new career paths for them, provided they're getting that message, provided that the change that they have to go through is being managed well by the leaders who are going to do this. So very often what I see... um, is that you know it's easy to focus on what the things that we have to do but what we don't do is focus on actually the relationships and when you're focusing on so solely on the doing you end up with burnt out leaders overworked people and poor morale and that is detrimental to your business particularly during times of change so, really interesting statistics I came across from Forbes is that only 5% of influential leaders actively seek to influence the behavior that will lead to top performance. So, that behavior is your culture. It's the values, it's the beliefs, it's the stories. And if only 5% of leaders are doing that, then that means that 95% aren't. So, yes, they're doing what they have to do, and it's also hugely important crafting the strategies, you know, selecting the best services and products, engaging with stakeholders, building partnerships. But if the people and the culture in your organisation aren't aligned, aren't together, aren't on the same page, you recently had Reggie talking about this, how important the vision is, You know, setting clear expectations, supporting people, how we give feedback, how we give recognition. And then, again, that is all part of the leadership. But if the leaders don't even understand what it is, the culture, what it is and what it needs to be in order to deliver on these amazing crafted strategies, on these amazing winning products, it's going to be a struggle. So attempts to control and manipulate people will ultimately fail. You know, people will get stuck. They'll focus on the wrong things. They'll take action, which is either they leave or they'll be passive aggressive. So if we don't have leaders who understand the vision and are passionate about it, and a vision that will help people to take action and to care about the outcome, but part of that vision is the culture, because the vision is, is the, you know, the roadmap. you know, it's the cathedral. I love that story about Christopher Wren, the, the architect who builds the cathedral, St. Paul's Cathedral in London. And he met a bricklayer and he asked him, what are you doing? And he said, I'm laying bricks. And he goes to the next bricklayer and he says, what are you doing? And he says, I'm building a wall to feed my family. And he goes to the third bricklayer and he says, what are you doing? And he says, I'm building a cathedral. So, you know, the leaders are the key to your culture. And if they are not living and breathing it, then it's going to cause trouble. And the wheels will come off. So I've asked a couple of questions here and I'd love you to, it's yes and no. So out of 10, I'd love to you to answer yes or no. And in the chat, maybe you can tell us um, how many um, no's and how many, yes, how many many no's you have. And we, you know, we all get caught up with doing things and doing things. And every now and again, it's a really good idea to press pause and do a check to check in. Are we staying on the right track? Is the culture fit for purpose? Are we empowering our leaders to be able to deliver the culture that actually best suits our organisation? Are we as a senior leadership team living the culture, the values, the behaviours? Or it doesn't apply to us because we're the senior leadership team. So if you have five or more no's, then your culture is at risk. I saw somebody had only three no's. That's not bad. <laughs> Use this as a roadmap to help you to really look at your culture, truly look at your culture. And as changes impact your business, you know, particularly with the amount of disruption in the AI that's, coming, that's actually happening, not just coming down the road, That is actually happening. Um, it's not enough to just focus on the strategy. It's also really important to look at the culture piece because the culture is like the petrol you put in your car. It's what's, what's going to keep you going. And if you're not checking on the level, then it, it is going to, you will stop because the culture is not fit for the purpose that you need it to be. So, of course, this is what I'm passionate about. So, of course, I'm going to. So, you know, the, I honestly believe leadership is making a bigger difference than you can make alone. Mm. But that only happens when your leaders genuinely um, understand their roles, their responsibilities, they understand the vision, the strategy, they understand. Um, what that means in their department, it doesn't matter how big or small. And they understand the culture that is going to drive that. So how would your leaders describe your culture? Are they able to articulate it? Is it boom, 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 and this is how we live it. This is how you know, we live our values. These are the behaviors that support our culture. When was the last time they lived their core values? This is one that I've stolen from Amazon. You know, this is a question they ask at their weekly meetings. So if your value is, you know, one of the things that you want to be a company of innovation, so when was the last time that you had a conversation around innovation or you created a path where people could be innovative or gave them the space to be innovative? There was a really interesting story years ago from Google in Dublin, and they were they created this cool chill-out room for their staff where they had the table football, table football and the bean bags and great coffee and whatever. But it wasn't being used. And when they looked into it, they realized the reason wasn't being used was because the leaders weren't using it. So, if you're not saying what you do on the tin, if you're not living the values in your organization, and if you're not an example of the culture, then how do you expect other people to? Leaders, leaders are the role models, and it's a huge responsibility. But And they need help with it in terms of, you know, there has to be people genuinely have to share that vision. I'm building a cathedral. So hugely passionate about this. You know, leadership is more than a title. It's responsibility regardless of position. So you are one of the most influential people in your team member's life, apart from family and friends. So how are you impacting them on a daily basis? How are you helping them to support them to do their jobs? Is how you give feedback and how you recognise not just accomplishments, but also how you acknowledge hard work, resilience, persistence, genuine teamwork, where somebody puts aside their task in order to help a colleague. So, you know, this is the difference between managing. Managing is focusing on the doing. Leading is being able to build teams, create change, be strategic. And it's huge. Like, it's a huge responsibility. It's one of the things that I work with, managers to help them to transform into leaders and they have that ability but they do need help some more than others and what happens is it's human nature we will focus on the things we're comfortable with and also you know you ask people to you know to show up to you know you're the leader you have to inspire you have to motivate people are you giving them the time to do that? Because if they don't have time for those one to bonds if they're not getting time, I, I was speaking to somebody company recently, they're going through a merger, which at the beginning was the honeymoon phase. Everything was fantastic. And now all of a sudden, they're at the bottom of the bell curve. And the reason they're at the bottom of the bell curve is when I asked them, when was the last time you the team meeting? Two months ago. Surprisingly, things aren't going well or not surprisingly, things aren't going well right now. People are demotivated. There's rumors running right through the organization. People are thinking of leaving. People are not focusing on delivering the products and services. you know. Um, so because the leaders are floundering, they're struggling. So they need help during this time as well. And also the culture that they had, which was, it was like a family, it has to change. And in order for to make that happen, people have to understand what culture looks like, and how critical the leadership role is in making that transition to a culture that is more fit for purpose. So I'm passionate about leadership, as I keep saying. But you know, there's different kinds of leaders, and we need them all in an organisation. And one of the things I love doing is when I unpack with people which leader style that they actually have. Are they a thought leader, service leader, results leader? And it is so exciting for them when they say, oh, my God, you know, I'm passionate about getting you know, results and achieving the high bar and the performance. But that also has to be balanced with people leaders. You know, so if you're not good at achieving, re- or, sorry, if you're excellent at achieving results, but you're not so good on the people side of things, then make sure that you have people around you who can do that. You have people who are amazing service leaders. You know, they're really focused on the, the customer. But sometimes they're not so good on the innovation piece because they're so busy on the day-to-day thing and making sure that every day is an excellent experience for the customer. But we need all of them. And it's important to, you know, I firmly believe people are so much more engaged if they're leading from their strengths. So if you're a thought leader and you're working in um, delivering results, you're not going to be leading from your strengths. So creating a culture where people actually get to be in roles that actually play play on their strengths, because if you're if you're doing what you love, what you're passionate about, that is aligned with your values and your organizational values, people will thrive and they will be amazing leaders. So, you know, I, I always say to people, you have to be intentional. Leadership is intentional. Every one to one, every team meeting is an opportunity to build trust. To build relationships. But you have to actually start you know, at the beginning of, before the meeting actually begins, is think about what's the outcome you want? How, does, how will this meeting be an example of our culture and our values? Am I actually as a leader sharing the vision? Do people understand how their role is not just laying a brick? It's critical. It was really interesting. I was coaching somebody the other day and they said to me, Turn. Some people don't realize that that's actually um, there's supposed to be a window or a doorway there and they start blocking it up. I said, absolutely, that is such a great analogy. So I think, I hope that it's obvious that there is an interdependency between culture and leadership. We need different kinds of leaders. We need a very clear vision, but they also need to decide and not just the vision for the organization, but also the culture that's going to make it happen. And we need to empower our leaders to have the skills and the competencies to be able to deliver that and to be able to make a pivot and make those changes when necessary due to disruption, due to AI, due to whatever going into overseas markets. And remember that there's always a flip side of every coin. This has been a production of the IPBN in partnership with Pinkroom. For more information, visit us online at island-portugal.com and on LinkedIn at island portugal business network. For more IPBN podcasts, find us on Spotify or visit our website for the full list of episodes.